It's good to see you. Uh, welcome to Christ the King. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor, welcome. We're glad that you're here. My name is Penny, and I'm the pastor here at Christ the King, and, and it is great to have you. Uh, we're glad that you're with us this morning as we get to sing and pray, and in a few minutes we'll dine at the Lord's table, but, but also to sit under his word. As Tobias said, it's a privilege to come to our Lord in prayer, but it is also a great privilege to come to his word that our God has given us this uh, beautiful direction for how it is that we are to live and what it is that we are to believe about him. And so the portion of this, his word that we're going to take up this morning uh, is found in Psalm 23. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, Psalm 23. Uh, as I mentioned last week, during the summer months, months uh, we're going to be looking at various psalms. So just like last summer, we, we started looking at, I don't know, we looked at maybe 12 or 13 different psalms, and, and this year we'll continue in that vein. We're not going in order. We're kind of hopping around, looking at different genres, different, uh, different uh, lengths of psalms, different places. And, and so this morning we're going to jump off by looking at this one psalm, Psalm 23. Um, it, it's it's got to be one of the most popular and well-known psalms in the Psalter. Um, and it is just chalked full of important information, and it is just beautiful language. I was telling uh, Michael this past week, Michael Gambola, um, that, that I, I think I could preach three or four different sermons in consecutive weeks on this one psalm and not say the same thing over again. And, and one of my children asked me if I would do that. Um, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll come back to Psalm 3 another time, but it is so full of beauty and of God's goodness. Um, and so that's where I want us to begin this summer by looking at Psalm 23. It is a Psalm of David. We know that because it says so in the title. You remember, uh, if you were with us last summer, those words that often show up in our uh, different uh, translations, those words that come at the very beginning that are in small caps right there in Psalm 23, a Psalm of David, that is part of the Masoretic text, the Hebrew Bible. And so we have good reason to believe that, that that is part of Scripture, that that is authentic. And so we know that it is a psalm of David, and it's a psalm of confidence. So let's follow along. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Our God, we are in need of your leading and of your direction. We're in need of you to give us clarity of thought and of speech. We're in need of you for every breath that we take. And so we ask that you would meet with us this morning and that you would lead us in the way that we are to go. Show us the beauties and the wonders of you, of our Son, of your word. Do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I already said that this is easily one of the most popular 
most well-known psalms there is, right? Many of us have probably memorized portions of it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we've probably said that. Our popular culture around us invokes that, right? Athletes say it as they're walking out onto the football field, which is, uh, I don't think, what David intended. But regardless, uh, it's quoted in movies, right? It's, it's, it's spoken of in, in difficult times. It's often used in times of suffering and at funerals, times of sadness, right? It, it is something that we come back to again and again. This psalm brings a great deal of comfort to us, particularly in times of trial and difficulty. But why? I mean, what about this psalm gives us that comfort? What is it about this psalm that that helps us in our time of need to, to alleviate our fears, to be a balm to our weary souls. What is it about it? Well, I want you to think about where it is, what it is that you look to to find security. What are those things around you that are inviting you to put your trust in them so that those fears, those worries, those anxieties, those concerns, that they would be alleviated? What, what are those things around you? Where does your heart go in those times of fear and worry? Okay, you got, got one? Probably, if, if you're like me, there's a few different places maybe that your heart may go or is inclined to go. Maybe it's your work and finances. Maybe that's where you can find security about the future, about tomorrow, right? I mean, that, that is definitely something that we are invited to do in our culture. That's what many people were doing right around the time of 2008, but we know what happened then. The financial markets crashed. People who were putting their trust, their hope, their, their future in, in their stock portfolio, they, they found themselves no longer secure. In fact, there was a, a great uptick of the number of people who worked at financial institutions who were taking their own lives during that time because their security had, had fallen apart. So maybe it's not finances and work. Maybe that's not where we are to put our security. So, so maybe we turn to, to our country, to our nation, right? I mean, it is strong and powerful. Maybe that's where we can find security. That's where Herbert Hoover directed us in his 1929 inaugural address in March of 1929. Herbert Hoover said this about America, in no nation are the fruits of accomplishment so secure? The irony is that in less than a year, in October of 1929, the market crashed, and the accomplishments that seemed so secure a few months ago, well, they crumbled under the weight of the Great Depression. Maybe, maybe we, we aren't supposed to put our security in a nation, into a country, not in our finances, not in our work. Well, maybe in humanity in general, right? The goodness of man. That's what the 1946 bestseller, Peace of Mind by Rabbi Joseph Liebman said. He said, I believe that man is infinitely potential and that given the proper guidance, there is hardly a task he cannot perform or a degree of mastery in work and love he cannot attain. He was directing us to, to put our trust, our hope, our, our security in the goodness of man. And what's fascinating is that he wrote those words just shortly after World War II, where, where we saw some of the greatest atrocities committed by man against man. No work, finances, 
nations and man, those aren't places where we are to put our security, to put our trust, to put our hope. We could go on, right? I could talk about relationships. I could talk about education. I could talk about health. But none of them, like money and countries and man, can bear the weight of our need for security. But our shepherd can. You see, I think that's one of the reasons why this psalm is so comforting. Because it speaks to our universal need to find security. It speaks to our universal need to find security. And it it doesn't just speak to the need, but it shows us where our security is found. It's found in our shepherd. Right? It's found in his very presence. That's what verse 4 tells us. You are with me. It's at the center of the psalm. There are three verses that come before verse 4 and three verses that come after. And in the Hebrew, it's amazing when you uh, don't count the title, there are 26 Hebrew words that come before you are with me and 26 Hebrew words that come after. The very center of this psalm, the central theme of it is God, our shepherd, is with us. It is what the psalm moves towards and is what flows out of this psalm, that God is with us, our shepherd. He is our security. Our God who is with us, he is our shepherd. That's how verse 1 begins. The Lord is my shepherd. Now that phrase, shepherd, we're probably familiar with because that title that is spoken of with God, that that is given to God, is used oftentimes in the Old Testament and a number of times in the Psalms. But what's fascinating about the way David uses it here in verse 1 is that this is the only place in the entire Psalter where God is my shepherd. Every other instance, it is God is our shepherd. He is the shepherd of this people. He is their shepherd. But now David is saying he is my shepherd. He's saying to us, to all of us, that we can have hopeful confidence, not just for a people, not just for a community, not just for a gathering, but for us as individuals, that our shepherd is with us. The shepherding presence of God, that's where our security is found. You see, friends, we can be secure because our shepherd, he is with us, but but because he provides for us. You see, there are four reasons why we can be secure. I know that the norm is to have three (laughs) in a good reform sermon, but there are at least four in this passage. Our shepherd provides for us. That's why we can be secure. He provides for us. Look at verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I shall not want. Now, I imagine some of you are thinking, well, well, sure, David doesn't have to want, right? I mean, David's the king. David has power and he has wealth, right? He has men at his disposal. He can have whatever he wants. Of course, David can say, I shall not want. But while it is true that David is the king and he had wealth and power, that is only one part of David's story. You remember, David also was a man who followed a predecessor, followed a king who who not only wanted to kill him, but tried to kill him. David was a man who had war made against him, right? The Philistine armies were constantly making war against him. His closest friend, Jonathan, was killed 
He had lost one son shortly after birth, and another, Absalom, wanted to dethrone him. His life was actually filled with great difficulty, and yet, even in the midst of that difficulty, he can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think it's fascinating that this psalm comes right after Psalm 22, where David had cried out, my Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now he can say, I shall not want. Because I have my shepherd. His life was full of difficulty, and yet he has the full assurance that God will provide exactly what he needs, even in the midst of difficulty. And what is it that God provides? Well, verse 3, he provides restoration for his soul. He restores my soul. I wonder... What are those things that this morning, right now, you are weighed down by? I wonder, what are those burdens that you cannot shake? Where are you filled with anxiety and worry? Maybe it's in a career. Maybe it's in a college acceptance. Maybe you have fear and anxiety about your children or the lack thereof. Maybe it's in tomorrow and what the future will bring. Where is it that you are looking to find rest in something or someone other than God? Where is it that you are looking to find joy in this world and not in our shepherd? Alexis de Tocqueville, in the 1800s, he said that there is an incomplete joy of this world that will never satisfy the human heart. And he is right. You see, the rest that we are longing for, the restoration of our souls, it is not found in this world, but it is found in our shepherd. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Do you remember? He said, come to me, all who are weary, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Is that not beautiful? Rest for your souls? That the searching for security, for joy, for satisfaction, it is no more. It is over because there is rest for your souls. It was the Bishop of Hippo, Augustine, who said that our souls are restless with wandering after things of this world, that they are restless until they find their rest in God. Friends, that's why we can have security in our shepherd, because he provides the rest that we are in need of. But it doesn't stop with provision. Our shepherd also directs us. That's where the psalmist leads us in verse 3. He says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, in this time, in this culture, sheep weren't penned up like they are now, right? If you head out to the Brinkman's and and watch our, our local shepherd at work, you would see his sheep penned in, rightfully so. But in this day, the shepherd had to lead the sheep where they were to go. The shepherd had to guide them and direct them to the place of water, to the place of green valleys to be fed, to the place where they would find safety so that they could sleep over the night, through the night. 
that they had to be led because left to themselves, they would never find that green valley. They would find valleys that were desolate. They would never find still waters where they could drink. They would find rushing waters that would take them away and lead to their death. They would not find places of rest, but there would be wolves and bears and bandits that would kill them and take them away. They had to be led. And that's what our shepherd does. He leads us in the paths that we are to go. You see, friends, we we know the analogy. We are the sheep. And we are in need of being led. And we can have security in our shepherd because he leads us in paths of righteousness. That word for righteousness, it indicates that that this is speaking of the moral and ethical direction that God gives us for how we are to live. Our shepherd leads us by the way that we are to go with his very word. This is the path of righteousness that he gives us to direct us in how we are to live. His very word, Psalm 119 says that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so this means that that we weigh all the voices of this world and all the inclinations of our hearts, we weigh them against this word. And so no matter how strong our heart's desires might be, No matter what path might be before us, if it is contrary to the path of righteousness outlined in God's word, then we don't go down that path. We ignore those voices and we follow this one, the path of righteousness. Listen, this this is the season of graduations and commencement speeches. And I haven't listened to a single one this year. Normally I'll listen to a couple. I'm sure I'll... I'll get links to listen to some others, right, some insightful things. But, but almost all of them, right, or at least maybe 80% of them are going to say things like, as you graduate, as you go out into the world, you need to be true to yourself and you need to find your own path, right? Right? Yes, that's what they say. It's, it's, it's almost like it's not a true commencement speech until those words have been uttered. And that sounds so empowering, and life-giving. But friends, if we follow a path that is not marked out by the righteousness of God and directed by his word, those paths are not empowering and life-giving. They are impotent and life-destroying. No matter how strong the encouragement and no matter how enticing the path might be, if it is contrary to the word of God, we must Flee from it. Because that is for our good. Did you notice why these paths of righteousness are given to us? Our shepherd gives them to us for his own namesake. God is staking his very reputation on these words. And saying that this is the way that you are to live. This is the path that you are to go down. He is saying that his character, his very character, is at stake when he leads us in the way that we are to go. I mean, the quality of a shepherd was determined by whether he could find those right paths, right? Because if he went down the wrong path that led to the the stormy water, his sheep would be destroyed. That's not a good shepherd. That's a shepherd no one should want to follow. But our God says, I am the good shepherd. That's what Jesus calls himself. I am the good shepherd. I lead you in the way that you are to go. For my name's sake, these are paths of righteousness. 
He's staking his reputation on it and saying, you can follow these paths to the path of life. He's directing us in how we are to go and how we are to live. See, he loves us too much to allow us to go down paths that will bring death. He invites us to follow him down paths of life. That's why he's so secure. That's why we can trust him. Because he provides for us and he directs us, but also he protects us. That's where David goes in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, we're not sure if David is speaking of a specific instance in his life, the valley of the shadow of death. He could have, he could have come up with a whole host of different instances, right? Of Saul trying to kill him, of Goliath. Maybe that's what he's thinking of. He could be just thinking about his, his surroundings, his, his topography in the Judean deserts as the sun rose and set. It would cast long shadows in these valleys. And these shadows, they, they would be places where, where shepherds and people would, would walk, but there would also be bandits and people who would be hiding in the shadows. Think of the sand people in Star Wars A New Hope, right? They're kind of hiding in the crevices and waiting to attack. Maybe David's thinking of that. Or maybe he's simply thinking of the long shadow of death that will come over us all. Regardless of whether it's a specific instance in his own life or it's something that we will all experience or it's simply the geography of Judea. What David says is when he, in, when he comes to danger and the shadow of death, he shall not fear. And why? I love this. It's not because of his own strength. It's not because he looks into his soul and finds the willpower that he needs to persevere. No, he will not fear because you are with me. Your rod and they, your staff, they comfort me. You are with me. You see, the presence of God, it casts the fears away. It is the presence of our shepherd that melts his fears. Kids, you know what this is like. We've been getting lots of rain lately. Lots of rain. And probably not just outside your house, but maybe inside as well. <laughs> uh. But in these storms that we've been getting, uh, they've, they've actually been pretty calm, right? Not a lot of lightning, not a lot of thunder. But, but kids, you know what it's like to be awoken in the middle of the night. You, you are jarred awake, and you jump out of bed, and you look out your window, and the sky is filled with the brightness of lightning. Kids, you know what this is like. The, the winds are howling around your house, and, and the thunder is so strong and so powerful that it shakes your very house, right? You know what this is like. And so, kids, what do you do in those moments? You're, you're woken from, from a deep sleep, and you don't know what's going on, and you're full of fear. You sit there, and you go, I... I don't have to worry about this. Come on, it's just a storm. I'm just going to close my eyes and go back to sleep and pretend like it's not there, right? I mean, that's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> Parents, is that what they do? <laughs> no. <laughs> They're awoken by fear, and they come crashing into your room, right? They go running down the hall, and they burst into your room because they are looking for your presence, because in the midst of their fear, what they need and what you want, kids, is to be held 
by strong and loving arms of your mom or your dad. And as you feel those arms wrapped around you, that fear that came so quickly, it, it's dispersed just as quickly. But here's the thing, kids. As strong and as loving as your mom and dad are, God is even stronger. There are going to be fears that are even too fearful for mom and dad. But they're not too strong for God. Our God, he protects us. His presence scatters those fears away. He protects us. He protects us from that shadow of death. Every one of us will be covered by it one day. That long shadow of death will come upon us all. Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, says that death is the last enemy. But for those who are following our shepherd, who are resting in him, what we find is protection from eternal death. Though the shadow of death may fall upon us, the light of Christ overcomes that shadow so that though we die in body, we live with him forever. You see, because Christ, our good shepherd, because of his death, the final enemy that is death, it has no victory, it has no power, it has no sting. That's what Paul tells us. Because our shepherd protects us. By his death and his resurrection, he has victory over death and hell and the grave, and his victory is ours. He protects us from that enemy, and he gives us life. That's why he's secure. Because he protects us. He protects us for all time. And is that, it is that eternity that the psalmist turns to, that he directs us to, that this is how the psalmist ends with our shepherd dwelling with us. See, the scene shifts from verses 1 through 4, from fields of green pasture and shadows of danger to the house of the Lord in verses 5 and 6. Listen to what he says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is envisioning a day when the enemies that pursued him and the hardships that he faced, they will be no more. A table spread before him in which his enemies can only watch. They're not invited to come and to eat at this table. This is a table not for those who oppose God and his chosen one. They're not invited to this meal of abundance, but for those who are trusting and finding their security in the shepherd, this meal is for us. For us to sit and to dwell and to eat with our God, and it is a meal of abundance. Look at verse 5. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. That word for anoint it's not the typical Hebrew word that is used for ceremonial anointings. It's actually a Hebrew word that is more associated with fat. And so it, it's actually indicating this sense of, of plenty, which is further described with this cup that overflows. You see, our shepherd has turned into a host, and this host is one is, is hosting this meal that is, that is not withholding or skimping, 
but it's one of abundance, this meal. Abundance and plenty. He fills our cups to the brim, so much so that they overflow. There's enjoyment and generous hospitality. And this generous hospitality continues forever. You see, when the meal is over, when the tables have been cleared, David doesn't go home because his home is right there where the meal took place. He will dwell in the house of our Lord forever. This is assuring us that the security that we have with God, it is not momentary, but it is for all time. It is forever. That's how the psalmist ends it. Literally, it means for the length of days. As many days as there are in eternity, that is the number of days that we will dwell in the house of our Lord. Friends, we have this eternal security. It's made sure because we have a good shepherd. That's what Jesus said in John 10. Portions of John 10 were our assurance of pardon. We've already heard them. But hear them again, these words. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep, they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Did you hear what Jesus is saying? That Christ, our good shepherd, because he has laid down his life for us, because he gave his life on the cross and he defeated death by rising from the grave, that he has done away with our sins and he has made us his own and there is nothing that can remove us from his grasp. The shepherd who, who provides for us and directs us and protects us, he will dwell with us for eternity. That anxiety, those fears, those worries, those concerns that you bring into this place, we can lay them at the cross because they are not strong enough to remove us from the grasp of our Father. He holds us too tightly that we will dwell in the house of our Lord forever. See, friends, in the hand of our shepherd... There is no place that is more secure. And so take your fears and lay them aside. Take your worries and your concerns and lay them at the cross and cling to the grasp of our shepherd who dwells with us for all time. Amen. Our Father, we do thank you that the security that we have in Christ today is the security that we have in Christ tomorrow. And in a week, and in a month, and in a year, and for all the length of days. And so we know that we are secure. And so we ask that you would help us in our fears, help us with our worries, help us in our times of distress to come to our shepherd who has provided all that we need, who directs us in paths of righteousness, who protects us from eternal death, and who has promised that we will dwell with him for all time. Father, make us sure of the security that we have. We pray in Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen.